Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Next Tech Podcast. We're your hosts, Ambina Abdul. And I'm Alicia Davis. Today's guest speaker is Izzy. Please introduce yourself and what do you currently do. Hey, I'm Izzy. I actually am in between jobs, but I'm going to be starting a new position doing cloud security, privacy, work for a leading cloud monitoring service provider. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. like that. I'm it's, it's, it's the a, wording that makes it sound like really extreme and really extravagant. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it kind of is extreme in terms of what the company offers, but the role itself, I'm not really sure what to expect, but I'm really excited because I think it's going to be one of those opportunities where I get to play around with some new technology and I'm just like a kid in a candy store. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> that is exciting. Yeah, so I'll give you an example. Um, they're doing this Kubernetes monitoring service. Oh. I've never, yeah, I've never played with Kubernetes before, and I am going to be having a ball. <laughs> I can't I, wait. I bet. Um, I've never used that either, so I definitely. Um, do you share a lot of, or would you share, um, how you are working with Kubernetes? Yeah, so personally now I haven't been, but I think the company, what they do is they actually have a service that uses um, machine learning to scan and kind of evaluate your uh, your containers to determine like the security around that, right? And then it also gives you like logs and information about your containers, maybe help you fortify the security of it. And then once you kind of get that report, you can kind of strengthen your security Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty cool. That's all I know. That's based off of what I read on their website. But mm -hmm. in terms of what I will be doing on the security team, the internal team, I have no idea just yet with that Kubernetes, Kubernetes function, but mm -hmm. I'm just going to start asking. Hey, okay. <laughs> Definitely ask. Ask away. I'm pretty sure you get a lot of ants. I hope that you get a lot of answers on what you'll actually be doing. So, Yeah, for you, sure. You have to come back and share it with us. Kubernetes sound fun, but it's extremely difficult to understand when it comes to, you know. Yeah, it is. I, I I won't even lie. I read a couple of articles and I was just like, okay, I still don't know what this does for exactly. <laughs> um, like I know overall, like the bigger picture of what Kubernetes does, but in terms of how it works, I can't yes. even tell you. <laughs> mm -hmm. The first time so, yeah. I saw the word, I was like, let me research this. That word. Is it just looks like else. it's difficult. Right. Yeah. And then I was like, never mind. After 10 minutes, I'm like, no, this is not me. I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, it should be really cool. interesting. I think once I yeah. start really working in the field and um, within the role, I'm going to get back active on Twitter, like dropping some, some of the things that I've learned. And I expect to get a lot more hands-on and more technical, especially when it comes to cloud architectures and things like that. So that's actually the next thing I'm working on in terms of my learning path, which I think we're going to get into that a little bit later on during the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Interesting. Let's go to the first question. Um, what made you go for certified information security manager? Ooh, okay. So 
I'm just going to be so honest. I'm so raw with this question mm-hmm. because, all right. So everyone kept telling me, oh, you got to get your CISSP. You have to get your CISSP. And I was studying, racking my brain, trying to like, you know, recall all the information. And I was doing pretty well, right? Mm-hmm. And I took the CISSP the first time and I missed it by about 15 points. So I was like, oh, you know, I, I can study for another month. I can, you know, fill in the knowledge gaps that I had. But this is where I messed up. <laughs> While I was studying for the first, the first time I took it, it was the 250 question six hour format. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't paying attention. And the, the test changed on me within that <gasps> month time frame. Yes. So I went back and I studied, I studied the way that I had studied for the 250 question uh, exam, but then they turned to that, um, the computer adaptive test Mm -hmm. Uh and it went from the 250 to the 100 to 150 questions. And I completely failed it. (laughs) So I failed it twice. The first time I did much better than the second time. And -hmm. I think that completely deterred me from CISSP overall, because I paid for that out of my own pocket. Mm-hmm. And Ooh, yeah. the ride home was completely silent. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was awful. I think the only thing I, I, I was listening to was my GPS. I was so deterred. So Aww. I took a break and then I was look, I was trying to figure out like, okay, what do I do? Because I'm not really interested in taking the CISSP anymore. I've been completely put off by it. So I was doing some research and I, and I read that CISM is honestly just as good. A lot of people don't talk about that. And for what I was doing, uh, most of the work I had I had done was in information security, governance, risk, and compliance. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to know too much of the technical side because a lot of the work that I did was more generalized. So I sat there for like three or four months, studied for that, and passed it on the first try. And I passed it like wow. I, with a, with a large margin. So I was like, wow. So this That's was really great. my thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly speaking, most people, whenever like they they uh, see that on my resume. They don't say, you know, dude, why didn't you get a CISSP? They're just like, yeah. oh, you have the CISM. That's cool. Like, this is perfect because we need someone with a cert. They mm-hmm. never really question me on why I didn't get that one, you know, one versus the other. So okay. I just kind of stuck with it. That's amazing, honestly, because I was studying for CISSP over summer and I, no, I couldn't do it. I could not. <laughs> I was telling Alicia, like, this is way too much. I don't even know why people like study this hard for the cert. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, but wow, CISM, you know, CISM is Mm -hmm. better, I guess. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I don't recommend the CISSP for people that don't have hands-on technical knowledge. It is hard because it's not an exam that's just uh, testing your knowledge. It's testing how you would actually respond based on a manager and what's in the best interest of the business mm-hmm. that's what a lot of people don't talk about like you have to yeah. know technology but you also have to know what would a manager do in this particular world role because right. that's what that's what the cert is for it's a management level cert so whenever i see jobs talking about cissp for entry level i was like you don't even know what you're asking for because that's not an entry level certification <sighs> that's Oh, I, that struck a nerve. Well, it didn't really struck a nerve, but <laughs> yes, because it was a, um, an actual role that I was um, wanting to apply for. Um, I don't forgot the company, but anyway, it it required or it recommended um, the CISSP for an entry level role, and I'm like, what? Why? So I ended up taking this CISSP boot camp over the summer with Skillsoft, and yeah, no, 
is definitely <laughs> is it is like you said it is one of those manager roles because when the um professor or the lecturer was speaking i'm listening to this like i'm not even in the feel feel like this so huh how do you expect for me to have this certification and it's an entry level and you have to be in the field for at least a good few years before you can even answer or even feel comfortable taking this exam like yeah mm-hmm. i don't i don't get it um so yeah, yeah that, that struck a nerve when you said it was like how do you not know you're really not knowing what you're what you're asking for because that is true that is that's one thing that like honestly um a lot of entry uh level folks once they see that on the job requirement they give up on cybersecurity, mm-hmm. and they have the skills they're doing stuff uh you know on their own they're fast learners on hands um but the minute they see that even myself i was like oh my god how do you even like i'm in tech right now working in tech i'm a systems engineer but how do you expect me to go from this all the way to cissp and you know be an entry level all over again <laughs> they are asking for a lot they're asking I mean, for a lot to be honest what i recommend because Jesus, my email is blowing up all of a sudden. But uh, usually what happens is like whenever people ask me, like, what search do you recommend? You know, I want to get in. I never immediately go directly to CISSP. I think that's ridiculous. I usually tell people to start with like um, the comp TIA search, like Security Plus. And then if you if you want to move on or want to get an ISC squared certification, I always recommend the SSCP which is really a more appropriate level certification for someone who's like entry level to mid-level. And the the SSCP tests you on the same domains as the CISSP, but they're not testing you from a managerial standpoint. Mm -hmm. So it's much easier. It's the same concepts and it's still um, a respected cert. You just don't hear too much about that. So I'll say if you are looking to get a certification, Security Plus and then the SSCP, if you haven't heard of it, look at it, look into it. I actually know one person that has it and she basically was was explaining it to me and I started doing some research and I started recommending that one over the CISSP. Um, But to be honest with you, you can't even sit to take the CISSP until you have at least two years of of experience that you can get an associate. You know, the best you can do is an associate and then you have to earn your your years of experience Mm -hmm. over the years. So just get the, the SSCP. I think you can take it with like one or two years of experience and you can get your certification and you can move on. I hope the audience is listening to that. Um, <laughs> that was a nice little takeaway for you that are wanting to get certifications um, into the field. I'm definitely going to work for it. Because I don't really hear it. about the C, you don't really hear about the um, the SSCP too often. No, you don't. You really don't. Neither do you hear about the CISM, the one that you have. You really don't. You don't hear about those that you really that you that should be preferred um, over all of the more common and more popular ones. So. And the crazy part is like once you get more to like my years of experience, then you start mm-hmm. seeing the CISM more um, because all the roles that I apply to usually say certifications: CISSP, CISM, CISA, which is the CISA, mm-hmm. um, and then I also see CEH. So all four of those I always see in the same like requirements for the certification. Okay. But I think it's when you start to get into like, you know, five, five plus years of experience. 
now with your five plus years of experience, um, what is the one mistake, habit, or pattern that you may still haven't overcome after these many years? Um, if you that's have a good one. question. That's a good question. I'm sure I have like a mistake. You know, I think it is. Um, and this may sound like one of those interview answers that you give, but <laughs> I think it's wanting to learn how to do everything in cybersecurity. Boom. <laughs> I'm sorry that I laugh, but it was on the first episode I talked about that. And that was one yeah. of the things that I realized about myself that I'm trying to do everything. I want everything. to learn everything about cybersecurity and I'm just not starting out. So I don't really have all of the knowledge that you may have. So it's overwhelming me. And that is a, yep. a, a, a thing that I need to break. And I'm glad that I'm breaking that early. But I'm sorry to cut you off. It was just... No, it's fine. Because the thing is, you know, I've been in the field before there was a undergraduate degree, before there was really like a, an official master's degree. Like when I first started, I'm going to date myself a little bit. When I first got into cybersecurity, there was no undergraduate degree. There was no bachelor's in cybersecurity. That didn't exist. Okay. There was a bachelor's in computer science, and then there is um, management information systems, and there was computer information systems. Mm -hmm. Those were your three options. So I was working with people that were doing cybersecurity before cybersecurity had a name. Okay. And so these are people that had... My, during my time when I first started, they already had 15, 20 years of experience, mm -hmm. but it was called other things. Mm -hmm. And so when I first started out, it was like, oh my God, I feel like I have to learn everything about it. Mm -hmm. That was such a, that was a mistake because me trying to learn everything made me learn nothing. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of people probably are going to miss that one because you don't need to know everything about cybersecurity in order to be a good cybersecurity practitioner. Mm -hmm. What you need to be focusing on is what it is specifically you want to do for the long term. Think like really do some soul searching. What do I like? What do I enjoy about cybersecurity? Do I want to be technical? Do I want to be non-technical? Do I want to speak with managerial level people? Do I want to make presentations? Do I want to just be in a room somewhere where people leave me alone? Like these are types of questions that you really need to know the answers to. And then once you figure out which roles fit into the, you know, the, the requirements that you have in terms of what your job looks like, then you start learning everything you want to learn about that particular path. And then you can always pivot. Like so many people don't end up doing the same thing in cybersecurity for the rest of their lives. Amen. Like for me, when I first started out, a lot of people don't know this because I never really talk about any technical skills that I have because it's been so long. But when I first started out, I was doing application security. I was doing web app security. And it was cool, but I pivoted into the GRC space and I had been doing that for most of my career. Um, and now I'm going to go into cloud security. So that's three different sectors of, of information security or cybersecurity that some people, you know, are probably just only looking at one particular aspect. And it's fine if you want to focus on one, because you do have to pick one, at least in the beginning. And then if you don't like it, use the skill set that you learned while on the job to move maneuver into another area of cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. And then learn some more. <laughs>
These are some good takeaways. Thank you for saying that because honestly, I'm the type where I don't think I could do the same thing over and over again for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So just being able to put, like seeing you go from application security to GRC to now cloud, um, how was the translation like um, from one to another? Was it easier? Did you learn from yeah. previous? Mm -hmm. Honestly, it wasn't hard. Um, the transition itself was not hard because the concepts in cybersecurity don't change. You still have to understand what you need to do to protect the CIA triad, regardless of what role you're in. You still have to know what's important, what are the important assets to the organization. Is it the data? Is it the people? Is it the process? Right? And those are usually the top three or whatever is important to the company is going to fit into those three categories. Those are still requirements across the board, regardless of if you are the person doing security operations center work or if you are a pen tester, that doesn't change. Mm -hmm. So what does change is the scope of the work and being able to take what you've learned and applying it to the particular type of job that you're moving into. Mm -hmm. Like for example, with me, I have done a lot of GRC work, but the role that I'm going to be doing with the new company, it's a hybrid role where I'm going to be working with sales, engineering, and legal teams to kind of figure out how to turn privacy laws and security laws and compliance into technical requirements in, into the cloud. Mm. And, and so I was able to use my technical skills that I acquired back in the day. I've been studying for cloud stuff, so I had some cloud risk assessments under my belt as well, and I understand how the AWS infrastructure operates, and I can take that with my work that I've done with working with privacy laws like GDPR and HIPAA to kind of say, okay, GDPR says that you need to be able to identify a customer and delete their data. What does that look like in an actual cloud-native environment? How are we going to first be able to identify user Izzy and say she wants all her data removed. Is there going to be an asset tag that's assigned to her data within the database? Are we going to assign her a unique identifier? And then we're just going to basically create a container that's labeled with every single user's metadata or their PII and then delete it from there and ensure that all the backups are also deleting that, that type of information. Are we going to create a script? Is it going to be an AI that's going to be doing this? Like who exactly is going to be doing this work? So that's the kind of thing that my experience has given me to kind of be able to look at it holistically in terms of how is this going to work and still be able to meet the compliance and the regulations or and or laws. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> this is it's, it's a lot. It's interesting, and I'm I'm trying to keep up, and I'm writing down notes as well. And it's like I'm an audience member right now because this is this is I love it. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? One thing I've always said to myself is when I get to a certain point in my career, I want to reach back and give as much as possible because when I was coming up, I didn't see a lot of women, a lot of black women doing any of what I do. Mm -hmm. I can remember the day that I saw another black woman that did information security. And we had a moment where we were just like across the room and we made eye contact and we just yep. had like that little silent, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like, I see you. And she had natural hair. She was a dark skinned woman. I didn't get a chance to talk yeah. to her, but we had that moment, you know? Mm -hmm. And as my career progressed, I started seeing more and more women and it's just, it's like a great feeling, not just like black women, but women of all sorts of colors. Mm -hmm. And 
I've always been an advocate for, we need more women. We need more women of color. We like, particularly, I'll just be honest. It's mostly primarily been, we need more women of color. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like yeah. that's the area where there's not enough of us to represent. And I would love to see like in another, you know, eight, 10 years, I would love to look back and be like, the numbers have gone from like 11% women to, you know, 40% women. Mm -hmm. and of those 40%, we have like 15, 20% black women or 15, 20% women of color. Like I would just love to see that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, it, it, as you know, this, our whole, uh, this whole season we're doing this, we're having all the female speakers right um, dedication. yeah yes yes yeah, like a dedication um where because we're both women of color and of uh -huh. course minority as well so we feel like just giving this season or letting this season be a dedication to just only women in all aspects and when you brought that up we were just like perfect right because <laughs> it was <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I am a, I am a, I don't like to call myself a feminist. I think I'm a womanist where it's like, okay, I just want women to just win. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I like the way you put that. I agree with that. I'm yeah, because to be honest with you, feminists can kind of have like its own comments, connotations. I don't, it can be really political. For mm -hmm. me, it's not even about the politics of it. It's just women supporting women, women uplifting women, and women helping other women to get to that next level. That's exactly. what I care about. Wow. Yes. Glad we have Izzy on this episode and on this season. Thank you. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for making the, the you know, the first 20 minutes of this episode so interesting. Like, I can't wait. <laughs> like, what else you guys, <laughs> what else you have to say? You're just amazing already. Right. We're not even halfway right. into the questions. It's just like, I know. what? Like, you're giving us all of this? I knew no. I invited the right guest. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I've been kind of quiet on my Twitter the last couple of um, months because life got hectic. But like, I used to really be super active talking about important things on there. I used to get so much engagement and then life got better at me. And I was just like, okay, pull it back, girl. Social media is not the end. <laughs> Social media is not important. Get get your life together. <laughs> Honestly, I think you were one of the few uh, females that I reached out when I was needing help with cybersecurity. I remember uh, reaching out to you on Twitter asking for um, internship. And you were one of the few people that have actually helped me out. Like, Izzy was sending me, you know, um, job listings and, like, internships and she would like help me out in so many ways that um when i look back i'm like yeah she is truly a a person of her words because you do empower people you do empower women of any color in any you know um age and that was that was my starting point i always had a good um you know starting point in cybersecurity where i was surrounded by you and a few other females and um getting that help from you especially um made the difference it really did well, i'm glad i'm glad i was able to to do some sort of impact in your life and i'm not saying that you know because i want glory i just really want for the things that i had to do when i was coming in to not be everyone's story you mm -hmm. know it was rough for me coming in like, i didn't have anyone to look up to i mean i would ask questions here and there of my team but we were all dispersed i never really met most of my team in person when i when i was starting out and I would work eight hour shift, 
come home, open up a book and just start studying like, okay, this is what I did today. What, what was the purpose of this? Understanding all the concepts that I had been doing hands-on and just kind of connecting the dots. So I had to basically hustle and um, I guess do like YouTube University. But at the time, YouTube wasn't even as big because there were, and then even though it was, it was mostly like people doing like makeup tutorials and hair and natural <laughs> hair journeys. I don't know if y'all remember that, but like the early, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, so there was not any content about like technology on YouTube at the time that I had started, but YouTube was just like starting to become a space where, you know, like you had your soldier boys doing his little music video and he had started right. the whole monetization. So like now... <laughs> Now the people coming behind me, there's a plethora of stuff that's available. Like there was no such thing as like a Udemy or a Cybrary or, I mean, hell, there wasn't even a degree. So <laughs> y'all got it good. Y'all better take advantage of these resources. <laughs> now, kind of piggybacking off of what you or what we've been talking about a little bit. So the tech space, we already know is primarily male dominated, it should be an industry where like race and or gender should take a secondary place. So skills, experience, and results are the primary interests of the, or it should be for the employers. In your opinion, why do you think most of us Black women or just women of color are having a hard time getting in? And, you know, we talk about this all the time. And we I think that this climate that we're in is now exposing a lot of that. But mm -hmm. so there's a couple of different things. There's like, there's actual overt racism. I don't think for the most part, the majority of people of color are experiencing overt racism. That's where people are like coming up to you and calling you racial slurs to your face. But there is, um, I like to call it quiet racism, where it's like, Ooh. it's not... It's not really as blatant, but that's really like underlying uh, systematic in its, in its internal biases. So mm -hmm. like these are the same type of people that when they see a black man walking down the street, they'll clutch their purse a little bit tighter. They may mm -hmm. not realize they're doing it, but that is that's quiet racism. Because it you is. Wouldn't, mm -hmm. You wouldn't do that if another person like another man who wasn't black passed by you. So that translates into your profession. Some people automatically see a name that sounds not white because, you know, let's, for example, Hannah Brown can be anyone, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but Daquan Johnson, <laughs> you pretty much know what you're going to get or, right. you know, Vincat Shamarandron, you already know what you're going to get with that, right? Right. <laughs> so, I mean, so it's, it's true. It's true. And so some people have never gotten to the bottom of whether or not they have um, internal biases or underlying biases within how they view people. And even for me, right, this is, this is a kind of a funny story, like my full name does not sound anything like what I look. So when you see my name written down on paper, a lot of people actually think that I'm an Indian male. And so... <laughs> Wow. I've used that to my advantage. Yeah, I've gotten emails from recruiters where they've called me Mr. I was just like, okay, it's Miss. <laughs> I'm one. But I've, I've, used that. I've used that to get into spaces where I may have not been able to because they didn't know who they were going to get when I walked into the door. But then, you know, I'm also not short. I'm, I'm a 
pretty tall person. So I walk in and here I am, a tall, dark-skinned woman with like natural hair. And before then I had like a really big like head of hair. So I would just wear my whole afro into like very Pam Greer style. And they would just be like, this is not what I was expecting. And for the most part, whenever I interview, I was wearing, you know, my four inch pumps. And you couldn't tell me nothing with my power suit. I was walking <laughs> and I'm taller than everybody in the room and I'm darker than everybody in the room. <laughs> so, so, you know, I think, unfortunately, I don't really know how we as people, as the receiving end of it can actually change that narrative. It has to be the people on the other end that's actually doing it that needs to check their internal bias. And this is something that I've been talking about for a while now, where it's just like, if you automatically think something negative because you hear a particular name, you need to check that. Right. Yeah. I don't really have an answer for that, but it's just more so like, you know, doing the work. And you explained it well, but I hope that it's taken in by a lot of the people listening. So I hope so too, because, you know, especially if you are a manager and you are in a position where you can hire people, Mm -hmm. really take a look around at who is being hired and what resumes are going, are going through. Mm -hmm. If you, if there is an internal bias around name, maybe make it so that names are no longer on the resumes until the hiring manager selects the resume that they like. Mm-hmm. These are things that also can be controlled. Um, you know, HR systems can probably have bias because the people who are building them may have bias. Technology mm-hmm. only reflects the people who are building it. It's only as good as the person building it. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, if you don't have diversity and you don't have people who can come in and kind of check that, you know, then how are you building a system that's inclusive of everyone when you yourself probably aren't inclusive of everyone? Exactly. Um, and I love what you said about that, about technology being as good as the people who build it. Um, mm-hmm. In regards to that, um, most people will say, I have no regrets, but really there are things that they would certainly do differently if they had a time machine mm-hmm. and I like hearing what you wish you did differently or what you hope you did differently and what mistakes um, hold you back so that I as well as our audience can learn from this yeah so I've, I've made a ton of mistakes <laughs> listen so I'll start from the very beginning um, one mistake I wish that I would not have made was I wanted to do computer science in college and my parents you know they were were so against it they were like no you need to become a doctor a lawyer an engineer and I was like but I can become an engineer mom right (laughs) right (laughs) they were not having it they did not give a crap and I was like okay so I went to I went to school for finance instead and still ended up in technology because this was (laughs) This was a destiny that I had. Like I was uh-huh. meant to be in technology in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> I wish I would have did that. I wish I would have stood up for myself a little bit more than I did because some of those early years, people really took advantage of my na- naivete. I think that's the word. Um, they know that you don't know things. Mm-hmm. I've had, I had coworkers take credit for work that I had done. And, you know, these were during the times where I didn't have the background. Like one example, I was working on this um, this macro. And the macro was basically taking vulnerability reports and it would produce different dashboards for um, the application managers who needed to go into action that vulnerability. This is from the scanning team. Mm-hmm. 
and I was able to like write scripts, putting that in there. You click on your little um, name on the SharePoint site and it would take you directly to your dashboard where it would give you like your in little indicators, green, amber, or red. And then you could click on the vulnerability and it would give you the full report. Like I made that. Oh, and oh. whole time I'm basically doing SharePoint admin work and getting paid pennies on the dollar for it. I didn't even know it at the time. Mm. So <laughs> I put this dashboard together and I asked someone who was on the reporting team. This is literally what her job was. She was supposed to be creating scorecards. I just asked her for some help here and there. I was like, man, I can't get this um, this uh, SQL script to work. Can you look at it and let me know what I did wrong? She looked at it and she literally like move one little part of it and it would run, right? Yes. And this was all of five minutes of her time. She went back to her manager and told her manager that she basically helped me build it. I was like, you didn't help me build anything. <gasps> wow. <laughs> I said, I asked you for help on particular portions of it. Yes, you did help me. But in terms of helping me build anything, this was all my work. Wow. And so I, I basically caused a stink, but it wasn't until much later when she had already like said that she had been working on this for two months. And I was just like, which part did she work on? Right. <laughs> With that, how do you really access what feedback is really legitimate or what's the word I'm looking for? Genuine as well? You know, I don't know, because at the time I thought that because she was another black woman who was working in the same area, she like she was working on the information security team, but she was really like a, a reporting person. Right. She was doing okay. metrics. And so I thought that because we looked like that all of a sudden that we would be, you know, good with each other because right. we understood the struggle, right? No. Nope. Right. I come to realize later that she was a lazy person and that she actually didn't do any work throughout the point, you know, throughout the day. And so she would just latch on to whatever she could kind of milk for like a full eight hours. Mm. But, then, but I think because I had to go through that with her, my eyes started opening up to who she actually was. And I was just like, okay, I mm -hmm. see you for what you are. Mm -hmm. And now I know now to certain people that when I ask them for help, it's, it's within a specific parameter and they may not know exactly what I'm working on or I make it very clear that this is my assignment and I'm just asking you for your assistance in this particular area. So I wish I would have stood up for myself more with her I did eventually stand up for myself and I got, I got the recognition that I deserved for creating the process. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people, this has probably happened to a lot of younger folks where people come in and they take your great idea and they run with it. And now all of a sudden they're getting promotions and they're getting kudos or whatever the company is doing for your original brainchild. Mm -hmm. So stand up for yourself you know, don't be belligerent or anything. <laughs> don't get crazy. <laughs> Stand up for yourself and, you know, just make sure your voice is heard if you have something meaningful to say. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That still happens in this time, actually. Um, and it's something that resonates with me, but we'll not speak about it. <laughs> I understand. I understand. <laughs> Um, our next question is, if you could learn a new professional skill, and it doesn't have to be related to your current role or industry, what would it be? It could be anything. Um, so I think I would probably learn 
landscaping or construction. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why is that? So my exit strategy from cybersecurity, and yes, I have one, is going to be real estate. (laughs) It's going to be real estate investing um, because I just realized that I'm not, I'm not really a fan of working. And I know that sounds completely opposite of what everything I just said. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a hard, I'm a hard worker, but I don't actually like working. I don't like getting up every day and going into an office or, you know, having to be on the clock for eight hours a day. Like that does not sound like something I want to do for the rest of my life. Right. What I, what I enjoy is being able to, first of all, make money without doing much work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, right. but unfortunately I'm not a Kardashian so I don't have people following me around where I can just wake up and get beautiful and people just automatically want to give me money just to like you know promote stuff so I'm not I'm not that girl but um I started thinking about like okay what is it that you enjoy and I remember like going back I when I bought my house I was just like man I really enjoyed the process of like picking out my finishes and picking out my flooring that part of it was like fun for me going to the build side looking at like how they were framing everything it was stressful but if the finished product was like exactly what i wanted and i was like oh my god i enjoy this Mm -hmm. so i was like you know what this is this is probably going to be what it is is i'm going to end up being in real estate i'm going to end up flipping a bunch of houses and buying property to to rent out and then that's going to be how i generate my income and be able to globe trot like how I want to mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah that's what I would do that I is like fun that. I like that it is is one of the things is that's my plan b actually so it's not really my exit strategy because I'm not in the field yet but that mm-hmm. is definitely my plan b um I grew up where my dad was a what are they called I, I don't even know what they're called I don't know. he was um, <laughs> he was Foreman, really maybe he wasn't really a con- he built houses. Um, he and my uncle, it was pretty much like a family business thing where um the men of the family built homes, um, built homes all around the city. Um, actually built my childhood home that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. It's a thing that I kind of picked up on. It's really nice that you can actually have that vision. Yeah. And it doesn't take a lot as long as you can tell or sell. I don't want to say sell a dream, but sell a, what is it? A picture I want to say, or sell, yeah. this, sell kind of sell this dream because it's really kind of like your dream home that you're really wanting. And I'm pretty sure that once you get that down pack, it can be something that can go a long way for you with yeah. that money involved with not having to do much. It's just your own ideas, creative ideas. Honestly, I, I think that's going to be how I end up just retiring. I'm going to retire from cybersecurity and just do that. And that, I don't know. I'm not going to consider that as a job because it's an investment strategy. Right. You and it's something I mean? that you actually like. So exactly. I can I can see both of you guys do, doing this in really? the next few years for sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, you guys have this energy that see, like I would not be doing that. I, I can't. I cannot. Oh, my God. I cannot. If a house is not made, I, I'm not walking in. I'm sorry. It's not bad, <laughs> Dana. It's not, not bad. You get to put your own actual feel to it, your own actual yep. touch into it. It's like, I, I know don't it's think already I could made. decide on what countertop I would like. <laughs> and see, that's I the part that I everything, like the most. Oh, you do? Oh, my God. Yeah. I like I'm being like, oh, I want to do a great counter, but man, um, what if I try, like, 
you know, a butcher block. What would that look like with the gray countertops? And oh, let me do an island that's like granite. Like maybe I want to do like a, a slate granite. I like that. It's I creative. It's, right. It's, it's creative. like it's your space. Yeah. You want it to fit how you want it to fit. Like it's it's yeah. yours. But Izzy, when did you know that you made it, quote unquote, and you were where you wanted to be in the field or in the industry? Um, <laughs> I think I I realized I made it last year. <laughs> okay. Ooh. Um, and I think that was because I had a really great uh 2019, meaning. That was the year that I really started doing speaking engagements. I got invited to multiple podcasts, uh, shows like this one. I I was featured on like two or three different magazines. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, to be honest with you, I think that's when I realized because I'm actually not, (laughs) I'm not really good at talking about myself. Like a lot of people don't know that. I don't like talking about me. I don't enjoy it at all. I think it's just, uh, let's talk about you instead. <laughs> and so if I don't know if you guys ever realize like on my page, I don't talk about me. I don't talk about myself on Twitter. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't glorify don't. myself. Mm-hmm. I just right. don't care of, to talk about my, to talk about myself. Even when I'm doing these podcasts, I'm like, Oh my God, I don't even know what to say, but the, like the words just kind of come to me. Right. And so when people started asking me to be on their show, I would be like me. Wow. <laughs> who sent you? Like, why do you, why do you want me on your show? I'm boring. (laughs) Um, You're not boring. You're You're not actually, it just flows for you. Um, You're actually a great speaker. Um, Whether you know it or not. Um, But I think I, I kind of agree when you, when you are being invited to a lot of speaking engagements and you're also in a magazine, yeah, you, you made it girl. You made it. <laughs> I, I would probably frame that article and be like, ah, look at me. No, I won't really do that for real. But <laughs> and that's another thing. A lot of people don't realize how silly I am. I am a goofball. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> professional because I don't really know the, the end audience, but like, I like to play around. All I do is kid around, joke all the time. Like me and my friends, like we had a ball just laughing in Philly. And I think it was mostly because of who I was around, but I just like to have fun. And, but you know, cybersecurity is sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's serious. Yeah. I'll just be honest. There is ups and downs in this field. It's very rewarding. It's very lucrative. You can be whoever you want to be, but this is hard work this is hard work to be in this field and you have to have a hustle mentality to really be be successful. And a lot of people just like, they're like, yeah, I want to be in cybersecurity because I want to make that bag. I'm like, that's not how that works. Right. It's that's not. You got to put in the time. work and the time. You have to, because I'll tell you this, when I first started in cybersecurity, I was making $42,500 a year. Okay. That's not a bag. No. <laughs> but maybe it's a bag in Mississippi where rent is like $400, but <laughs> that's not a bag. And I was in Florida. I was not making a whole lot of money. I had to really prioritize certain things in my life when I was making that type of money. But then I was, I moved strategically and I was able to, well, I'm a job jumper. I also will proudly claim that. I will leave a job if I don't like it or if it no longer serves my goals. 
I'll yeah. try to I'll try to finish my years, my two years, but honey, if it's not working out, I'm leaving because at the end of the day, my sanity, my my frame of mind is more important than you and your company making a dollar. So mm-hmm. don't necessarily listen to me. If that's the strategy that works <laughs> for you in that particular area, go for it. But for me, I think this next job, I can see myself being there for four plus years. And also, you know, I'm getting stock options, so I'm definitely going to maximize on that. <laughs> <laughs> I would too. So, you know, I, that's going to end my job jumping days. But you really just got to put in the time, the effort. Know that it's not going to be an easy road. It's not going to be like smooth sailing. And these companies will gladly offer you $50,000 for five years of experience because that happened to me. And after I got done laughing at the recruiter, I said, no, thank you. And I hung up. (laughs) 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 Yep. Oh my goodness. But I'm definitely with that. If, if that job or that role um, is not fulfilling me, I don't, I hate to say it like this, but you can get cut from that job at any time without any, any notice. And I feel like if, if this job is not serving my mental enough or if it's not fulfilling me in the way that I need it to be fulfilling me, I'm out. Um, at the same time, you really have to look out for yourself because you're the one that's actually doing the work. Yeah. And to be honest with you, you have to remember these companies are still for profit, which means exactly you are a number. You have a value assigned to your head, which is in the form of your, your actual salary, salary, how much your benefits cost them per year. So whenever you're having, these companies are having like a bad year or a bad quarter, the the number one resource they always cut are people. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that this is a company that you enjoy working at, that values you as a human being, that understands that you're going to be paid your worth and you need to be, you need to have benefits that are also going to allow you to have the quality of life that you want to have. And if your company is not doing that, you need to reconsider if that's a company you need to be at and exactly. you know, start finding the company that you really want to be in. And, you know, I know we're running a little bit over, but I recently was uh, laid off. And again, a lot of people don't know that, but I was fine when I was laid off because I realized this is not the company that I need to be at. And that's okay. I'm not going to dog them because, you know, they, they weren't a terrible company, but I took some time to like really evaluate what do I want the next five years of my life to look like career-wise, personal, you know, my exit strategy? What is it do I want? In those weeks of being unemployed, I've got, I've been the most clear about who I am and where I'm going that I, that I have ever been in my entire career. So I'm about to pack up my bags again, because I'm, I move around a lot too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm going to relocate, I hope for the final time, And that's where I'm going to be in a city that I think I'm really going to enjoy. I'm going to be able to start with the real estate investment and start really working on my, uh, my exit strategy. And as I'm working this full-time job, I can start putting the plans together to have the option after five years to continue to work or move full-time into my real estate. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that on that note, um, this would be a great way to end the episode I feel like that last little bit was a lot and a good takeaway actually this whole episode was just a good takeaway just pack it all up 
make sure that you rewind, listen to it again, because this was an amazing episode. Um, we really appreciate you accepting our invitation to be on this episode. We really appreciate it. So thank you. And to our audience, thanks for listening and catch us on the next episode. We're out.